When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. Premier League Updates. This is Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. I'm Jim Salverson. I'm in the Sports Social Studio today with Ant McGinley. Hello, Ant. Hello, and Merry Christmas, or as I like to call it, Happy Shopping Day for all you fellas. Oh, yeah. I've got to do that after the podcast today. Festive Navidad. So, today, on a surprisingly non-festive podcast this morning, as it's the last proper podcast before we get into the Christmas fixtures, we're going to be taking a look ahead to a packed Boxing Day fixture list, which will probably have more of an impact on the bottom of the table than the top of the table. Speaking of which, Watford are the team with the dubious honour of being the bottom at Christmas team, a sign that usually means they're heading for relegation. But can the Hornets avoid the dreaded drop? And who is going through the championship trapdoor come the end of the season? We'll take a look at the runners and riders there. We're also going to be getting some last-minute fantasy football advice from the guru, Kieran Howley. So before you make your triple captain choice now, just hold off for a few more minutes. And we're going to kick off with Carlo Ancelotti, who yesterday gave his very first press conference as Everton manager and had some pretty big ambitions for the club. Now, I know you were across this, Ant, because you were doing the Amazon Alexa updates Mm -hmm. for um, Sports Social yesterday. If you've got an Amazon Alexa, by the way, or if you get one for Christmas, just say Open Sports Social and there are daily updates on your Amazon Alexa, match reports, team news, all that kind of thing for whoever you support in the Premier League. It's dead cool. Ant was your voice on it yesterday. What did you make of Carlo Ancelotti's very first press conference. He was confident, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I think it's very exciting. Uh, also, also yesterday, Everton announced their plans for this new stadium, which yeah. is super exciting as I'm well. I'm pretty so sure it's the third time they've released plans for it. It's yeah. like they keep on changing their minds. Um, but it looks very exciting. So it's actually a really exciting time when you consider that Ancelotti is probably got to be in the top five managers of the last 20 years in terms of uh, his achievements mm-hmm. and his success. So really exciting times. Talking a good talk. Um it, for me, the on, the only issue was he, he's not really looked at the table. I think that's the problem he's got because he's talking about getting into the Champions League and all those kinds of things. Mm. And actually, I'm, I'm just looking at the table now and, and, and with your introduction, you said about uh, having a look at, you know, can Watford survive? Actually, at the minute, I think everyone 
down from Bournemouth is worried. Yeah, it's a really tight table. And Ancelotti was talking about Champions League qualification in his press conference. Every manager that goes into a new job, there's a little bit of hyperbole there. Yeah. I, I don't mean, know whether he was talking about this season being Champions well, League contenders. T- to be fair, actually, from the position that they're in, they're only four wins away from uh, Champions League. Yeah, and they're only four points above the relegation. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. So, uh, he, he's talked about it, and obviously he's coming at a really good time because uh, he, he's got a game now to, to try everything out, another game at the weekend, mm. and then he's got a transfer window. Now, Everton obviously have had a lot of money invested in them, they, but the, the, it's just not been spent very well. I think they've given him a four-and-a-half-year contract, Ancelotti, so he's there for the long term. Um, he, he obviously... There's some exciting things that he could do with that squad. He's going to take a look at who he's got. Uh, he said some positive things about Moise Keane, who doesn't mm-hmm. know whether he's a substitute or, or what. Um, and obviously we saw a different set of players under Ferguson. Although they were the same players, they just played differently. So uh, Ancelotti, if, if Ancelotti can bring all his years of experience and keep that motivation that uh, Ferguson's got, then perhaps finally we can see Everton doing well. And and just on a personal level, I did tip Everton to come top six this season. So I, I'm really hoping that he does it. I don't know if he's going to turn it around that quickly. And you talk about Ancelotti's experience, and he has got experience. He has done the Champions League with Chelsea, AC Milan, uh, Real Madrid. He's been there, he's done that. He knows exactly what is involved to have a team that competes at that level. I don't know whether the current Everton team, and it's a bit of a cliche, I've got the cliche bell. It's a bit of a cliche to say Everton have the squad to compete in that top six, that top four. But I'm not sure they do, because you look at that team at the moment, and there are expensive players in there, but I don't know whether there's particularly good players in there that would get into a top four team. Richarlison, I think, is a great player. He could compete at that level. I think um, Mina has, he had a good World Cup. Last summer, he's not looked brilliant for Everton, but he's shown glimpses of it against Arsenal at the weekend. He looked like a world-class defender, almost. So, with the exception of those two, I look outside of those two players, Andre Gomez maybe, where's the quality? Where's the quality? And you can't bring in 15 players in a January transfer window. Well, it's kind of what they've done for the last couple of transfer windows. They've they've (laughs) done that. I mean, you've got got Pickford in between the sticks, who's England's number one. I don't like Pickford. I don't think he's... I think he's massively overrated. Um, But that could be down a lot to the defence that's in front of him, which kind of seems to not have a clue. I mean, I'm a big fan of Mina, ex-Barcelona player. uh, Very tall, good with his head as well. Not converted the amount of goals you might have thought he would... Uh, since he came into the team, seems to be... he scored a couple in the World Cup, and everyone thought, yeah. "Oh, he's a goal-scoring defender." But well, I, I think what I he think... does best is he keeps players quite, and he did it so well with Aubameyang yeah. at the weekend. Uh, I mean, I think he's he's probably got as many own goals with his head as he's got the, at the <laughs> other end. Unfortunately, I mean, the, the, there's some there's some great talent in the squad. It's just up till now, Silver wasn't able to to put them together. Um, and, and and to be honest, I think there's been. You know, we we had this long time as ever as as Everton supporters and even just people who kept an eye on the club with Moyes, where they were a solid team. And I, I'm a Man City fan, and Everton always had the hoodoo over us. There would always be a really tough game for mm. us to go to, and um, they would oh, no matter what seemed to happen, they, they would always get it over us. Um, then you came with Martinez afterwards and Lukaku, and they had a wonderful sort of period there for a little while. But since since that. They just they've just seemed to have dropped off completely. This it, weirdly, they seem to have spent lots of money, which probably would have been used better under Moyes and under Martinez, but with 
Allardyce, which was a bit of a mess, and then Silver, which just was a bit of a damp squib. They just lost their identity a bit, and I think you're right, under Moyes, they were a team that was hard to beat. And since that, I'm not sure how much many Everton fans would have enjoyed Martino. I don't think Martino's quite achieved what they expected him to, but they've kind of lost that identity. No one really knows how Everton play, and Carlo Ancelotti... I think will instill a little bit of that back. He, we know how Carlo, Carlo Ancelotti plays. It's the traditional Italian, almost Jose Mourinho-esque style of football. The, although the, the I, I've, I've heard a few people talking about Ancelotti. One of the things they've said is he, he's not really one of these footballers like a Guardiola that comes in and says, I've got a philosophy, this is what we're going to do. Mm. He's the kind of guy that comes in and he looks at what they've got and sees who works together and makes it work. And I think that's perfect for what Everton have because Everton have this huge team of players, this huge squad that have come through from um, different backgrounds, different uh, leagues. They've never really gelled together. I think we saw elements of that under Ferguson. Uh, it, is it too soon to, to, to think we're going to see something on Boxing Day? Well, we saw a lot under Doug and Ferguson, so who knows? I think you mentioned him earlier, Moise Keane. I think one of the most exciting things about Carlo Ancelotti coming in is maybe he can unlock the potential of Moisky. And I was really excited when he came to the Premier League, £22 million or whatever it was. Price tag seemed like an absolute bargain at the time. 16 games, zero goals, massively short of confidence. He had that weird thing a couple of weeks ago where he was bought on and then bought off again 18 minutes into the game. Is Carlo Ancelotti the man who's going to get a tune out of him? He said he wanted to bring him in when he was at Napoli and then... Everton bought him instead, so he's obviously a fan. I think there's there's a lot of desperation as, as as fans of football teams, and when somebody comes in, if there's a glimmer of hope, then that's it. We put all our hopes and ambitions on them. And Moise Keane's record in Juventus was, was really good, but actually it, it wasn't really tried and tested over multiple seasons. It was just one really good season. Uh, I, I think it was like from a from a handful of starts, I think six starts, he got six goals, something mm. like that. Yeah, um, he didn't play regularly in any no. stretch of the imagination. And I, I, I don't know if there's reasons for that. I, I've not seen him enough to know maybe he, he's not quite got the full fitness for the Premier League yet, whatever. But Ancelotti, when you look at what he's done and the places that he's gone to, he's really good at that man management. And that's part of, again, working with the, what he's got and making it work together. And if he sees something in somebody, you can guarantee that he's going to get it. And, and the other thing is people are going to listen to him because this is a guy who has got, Kudos, he's got the respect, he has got the experience that is going to make people sit up and listen to what he Which says. Potentially what Moise Keane needs, because we know he's had issues with his disciplinary before. He was fined a couple of times under Marco Silva for not attaining, uh, not attending team meetings and whatnot. So maybe he needs that character. And he's played in Italy, where Ancelotti has obviously had a lot of his career. So maybe that's going to help that respect and help that discipline area and help him develop into this player that I think I genuinely think he can become one of one of the one of the best in the world I I, I wonder as well if there's an element of just uh, Everton at the club shop they were just saying you know we, we bought a lot of letters K-A-E-A-N-N <laughs> from, from our defender and we're not selling as many shirts from him as possible uh, this is the way to get rid of the excess letters that's an interesting <laughs> interesting way to approach the transfer window uh, one player we know that won't be playing in Everton now is Latan Ibrahimovic there was a load of rumours that Ancelotti would bring him into Everton they played to get there or didn't play together he managed him at AC Milan and Ancelotti has said no it's not happening basically well he, he did say in the press conference he said he's welcome to come and then to watch. <laughs> and it was a little bit like, um, 
when you get invited to a wedding, but they make it very clear that you can only come to the evening part. <laughs> oh. yeah. It's like, oh, right, okay. And it's just kind of done out of politeness rather mm. than, we don't really want you there, but I kind of feel obliged to say yes. It wouldn't have worked, would it? I mean, he was... He was a he performed above expectations at Manchester United, but that was what a season and a half ago now, maybe even two years ago, maybe even two seasons ago. He's two years older. If you've seen him play in the MLS, his legs have gone. He wouldn't have been able to do a job for Everton, certainly not to get to the level they want to get to. As 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 a cameo, bring him in for six months for a couple of substitute appearances to get them out of trouble. I I think a lot of people would have gone. Go on then, let's let's give it for a show. He he brings a lot of. Um, a lot of press with him, a lot of a circus. The, 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 he has one of my favourite personalities in football. And actually, I think that that's something that would go well because at the minute, you don't really see a strong personality at Everton within within the playing staff. So maybe, maybe somebody like that might help. I mean, the, one of the things people thought when Fabian Delph came over from Man City was maybe he could do that. But again, he struggled with injuries. And again, there doesn't really seem to be... A voice. Is Fabian club. Delph like a a lion on the pitch? Oh, you. I mean, if you've not seen the uh, All or Nothing documentary, when you see behind, uh, I haven't. Delph is is one of the, was one of the loudest voices in that. It doesn't come across like that way no, at all. It comes across as quite a shy Yorkshireman, and he's he, he's very funny when you've seen him in press conferences and things. I remember was it the World Cup when he had uh, a special box of Yorkshire tea flown out for yeah, him yeah. and that kind of thing. Uh, but actually, in terms of the dressing room, he's he's a real fire. Now, we don't have the access to the Goodison Park dressing room, so we mm. can't see who's doing that there. But I'm not sure if there is that character, and I'm not sure if Marco Silva was that character I either. don't know if many of those characters exist anymore in football. I think it's a bit of an old school thing that you have a leader on the pitch. And you think of most Premier League teams, not a lot of teams have that. Anymore. Uh, well, I mean, just going back to Man City again, look at how much they've struggled with, with the absence of Vinnie Company this season. So you've just agreed with me completely oh. in your argument. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, was I was agreeing with you. I don't think there are many characters like that anymore. And like, I'm not sure a team necessarily needs that, but they need to be set up in a certain way. I suppose they, they, you can't then, you can't suddenly remove those characters from a team yeah. and expect and the, the same performance yeah. and expect, expect the same levels of commitment. I think that's that's very much what happened at City. I I mean, to, to be fair, this is just speculation because neither of us have played. We've not been in that situation. But uh, as as the fans' perception, this is what we see and this is what we think. And again, we like to anchor onto that and kind of go, yes, he's the leader. He's there. He's going to sort it out. Well, whether Ancelotti can have an instant impact at Everton, we'll talk about that shortly. We'll go through the Boxing Day games, make predictions to see who is going to win what. We're also going to talk about the bottom of the table, who is going to slip through the relegation trapdoor. If we go by the rule that whoever's bottom at the Christmas gets relegated, it will be Watford, but maybe, just maybe they can escape. We'll talk about that shortly on Football Social Daily. And don't forget, tomorrow's podcast is a Christmas special podcast. It's the end of 2019, so we're going to be looking back at the year with the Football Social Daily Award. Awards, the best and the worst from the last 12 months. If you hit subscribe now to this podcast or follow if you listen on Spotify, you'll get that show as soon as it's out. And we'll be back in a minute on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily, Premier League updates. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily. So traditionally, bottom of Christmas means one thing, relegation. That has happened in all but three Premier League seasons. And this year, it looks like it's going to be Watford. But 
They got a 2-0 win over Manchester United this weekend just gone. It will have given the Hornets some hope. So the big question is, can Watford escape the drop? And if they can, who should be worried about relegation? I think they can. I... I've been really impressed with the change that you've seen in the the playing style since Nigel Pearson one game. came in. One game he's been in charge. How can you judge it after one game? He's had two games. Has he had two games? He's had two, two games. games. <laughs> he's had two games. I think, I mean, all managers have a, or most managers, with the exception of uh, Freddie Lundberg going into Arsenal, have some kind of new manager bounce, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what we're seeing. I don't think we can judge... Watford's turnaround in form in the last two games. But I, th- I think that the, the thing was, a year ago, you were looking at Watford pushing for a European place. That's what you were looking at. Were they, we? They were do- yeah, they were building upon, they'd, they'd given um, Gracia a, an extension to his contract, which they'd not done for a manager for a long time. Um, and then it just seemed to really sort of fall apart. They were doing really well in the FA Cup. Obviously, we know what happened there. Their form dropped off in the league. They've had a really horrible... Um, 2019 in terms of the performances on the pitch. Now, Pearson has come in, and whatever you think of Pearson, he has a very simple job right now, and his job is to keep them up. And really, when you look at where we are with the table, we're just before the midpoint, and it's not disastrous. The goal difference is not great. They have the worst goal difference in the league at minus 21, uh, but that's only a couple behind Norwich City on the minus 18, and Southampton on minus 16. Uh, That's in part thanks to the spanking they got Mm. from Leicester City. Now, in terms of where they are, um, Southampton are teetering on the edge, but they're six points clear of uh, Watford and Norwich. And then you've got West Ham, Everton, Bournemouth, uh, just one more point ahead. And then Brighton and Hove Albion, who I'd like to think are okay, but really aren't safe either, in 13th on 20 points. So, in terms of where they are, they're not, they're not cut adrift. That's the big difference. It's like two wins could really move them out of it at the minute. It is dead close. I wonder whether Pearson coming in... I mean, Duncan Ferguson said the impact he had at Everton was down to him walking up and down the touchline and shouting a lot. That was what he said about his own managerial style. And I think that can have a short-term impact. And Pearson is that kind of manager who goes in... He's that whole proper football man thing that likes to shout, likes to tell people to put more effort in and run harder and give 110%, all those kind of old football boy cliches. I don't know if that can have an impact for the long term. And it's why these managers come in late on in the season, why you get a Sam Allardyce or a David Moyes coming in as the relegation-saving specialists. Mm. But they can have that instant short-term impact. It just doesn't work in the long term. But I think Pearson is more than that. A lot of my Leicester City friends, uh, Leicester City fan friends, is that right? Friends, fans, fan, friends, friends, friends well, who I don't are think fans. Really got any friends? <laughs> just fans. <laughs> a lot of the Leicester City fans that I've spoken to, um, not just credit him with obviously saving uh, Leicester from that season where they were facing relegation, and then there was those issues uh, with his son, and, and that led to him leaving the club. Mm. But they actually put down to when Ranieri came in to replace him. Ranieri really didn't do very much different. He just tinkered around with what. Pearson had set up and what Pearson had grown and so if that's the case what you're talking about is a manager who's gone in and basically converted a team from being in a position where they could be relegated Mm. to not just pulling them out of that that point but also preparing them to be the team that would go on and win the Premier League now it's a bold claim to say that 
2021 is going to be the year of Watford in terms of winning the league, although I'm sure you'll get some wonderful odds on that. Very bold. But just in terms of the... Like the way they played, there seems to be an identity, there seems to be a spirit, there seems to be a pride. Of course, it was helped by Troy Deeney starting and playing again as well. But that's, you know, they've not won against Man United all that many times. Not many clubs have. Of course, Man United aren't the team that they were previously, but still, it's it's a big cap and that's going to do wonders for their confidence. And I think having Deeney back and, and Deeney on the score sheet as well. And the, the big problem we saw against Liverpool they lost that game mostly because I think the the forwards just were not used to having the ball at their feet. It just was it wasn't even confidence. It was a little bit of like, what's this? Uh, and Saar managed to get a goal. They spent a lot of money on Saar. Uh, he got off those Record score sheets. So yeah, so that that's great for him as well. So in terms of like all the things that you could want from where they were, I think it's a great position for them. Um, they're also helped by the fact that Boxing Day sees Villa take on Norwich City above them. Mm. So whatever way that result goes is going to be good for them. I think what they have going in their favour is the fact it is so incredibly tight at the bottom, as you already highlighted. And it's not going to take a massive amount for someone to get dragged in or someone to be elevated out. Whether Pearson will have a long-term impact or not, I don't know. So if Watford are going to stay up, let's say for the sake of argument they are, who's in trouble then? Who's going to be relegated? Because for me, I think Norwich City are probably done. I think they concede too many. When Cantwell and Pukki aren't in form they, or aren't scoring, they seem to be in serious trouble. We've already seen them dip out of form and into form this season. They'll pick up wins here and there. They'll beat some surprising teams along the way, but I think they'll just miss out on survival. I think Southampton have turned it around a bit recently. They've got three wins in their last five games. They seem to have turned a bit of a corner and picking up form and picking up points. I think they'll be all right. Crystal Palace, for me, might get dragged back into it because most of their points this season have been based on incredibly solid defensive displays. I think they've got the least shots on target of any Premier League club this season. But when you're not scoring goals, you're in real trouble. And I think they could easily end up back in... So Palace, Norwich, the third team, I don't know. I'm not sure. It could be anyone. I think this has been a surprising season. Bear in mind that one of the teams a lot of people tipped to go straight back down are currently sitting in fifth place Yeah, in Sheffield United. Uh, Newcastle United, who I thought might struggle in ninth. Um, Southampton are there or thereabouts. I, after their close escape last season, I did see them having trouble as well. But Danny Yings really has been the change for them. Mm. He's really turned it around. Uh, he's now the... Uh, Top scorer outside the, the top six in the league. Uh, potential talk of him getting an England call up as well. Although I think it, God for no. the time <laughs> for the time being, I mean, he's had one cap already. I think against Lithuania in 2015. Didn't he score as well? I I'm think pretty so. sure he scored. Like was that? I might be confusing him with Charlie Austin. So perhaps, but yeah, similar record to Sam Allardyce in that respect in terms of England. <laughs> um, but then, so the really interesting thing, and we started talking about Everton. If Ancelotti doesn't work, Everton could go down, and that's. That just seems crazy to 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 be saying those words. Um, I, when you look at the teams that are around them at the minute, and obviously people say you know you don't look towards the the, the table till later in the season, but we are just at the halfway point. Um, you also have West Ham United, your beloved Hammers. I'm concerned about West Ham. I think they might be a team that gets sucked into that bottom three, and it's the old cliche of being too good to go down. 
I think the goalkeeper situation is a real problem at the moment. Fabianski is still out to the new year. Now David Martin, who came in and did all right. I think he got more praise than potentially he deserved when he came in and kept a couple of clean sheets. But he's done all right. But this weekend, or this Boxing Day against Palace, David Martin's out, Fabianski's out. Uh, Roberto Jimenez could be making a return, which will make the blood run cold in the veins of West Ham fans up and down the land. And I think just a couple more losses. And if there isn't serious action taken in January, and I don't know what that action should be, I don't know whether, it, I mean, we need more pace in midfield. That's a given. If we don't sign proper, decent players in that window, not, not old <laughs> I players. I thought you were going to say in, proper football men then. Yeah, no, not injury prone players that other teams don't want anymore. Not old players that have reached the end of their contracts. We need actually quality in the midfield and legs in the midfield. Then we could be in serious trouble because I don't think it's a problem that could be solved by changing... Manuel Pellegrini and getting rid of him not least because I think the options on the table to replace him are massively uninspiring but because the players aren't there simply enough and they are too good to go down that West Ham squad but it's happened before and they have gone down with a better team so it can happen again I I think the differential there is a squad another team and when you look at the, the, the the teams that are doing very well this season surprisingly well they are playing like real teams, like Sheffield United. Mm. They play wonderfully together. It's just so so great. To, I mean, if you've not had the chance to watch Sheffield United play this season, change that. You know, if you're not sure what game to watch on on Boxing Day, that's the game to watch. Um, just wonderful to watch, and and just so tight as a team. And I think that's that's made the difference. You look also at the surprise package of Leicester City as well. I mean, they they've they've had such a traumatic. Um, season last season with mm. everything that happened with their, their that's really brought them together uh, and you know they're on the verge of, of something potentially great they've just uh, but- recruited really well as well when they've lost players they've bought in well to replace well, those players uh, Perez has done well Tielemans has done well well Soyuncu they actually had um, they already had him for about a year uh, and he's just stepped into he had a couple of about six or seven games last season Maguire's gone and he's just filled that gap, and he's been one of the best centre backs this mm. season. Um, but the, I, I, I think that's down to the spirit. When you look at the other way, I mean, Brighton and Hove album is the other one that I'll mention. I think Graham Potter is a genius. I was going to say wizard, but that's too much of a gag. Um, when you and Newcastle to an extent as well, the teams that are underperforming, the teams that are underperforming are not playing like teams. You look at the Discord at Manchester United, who are. I mean, I, I'm amazed to see that they're still sat in eighth at the minute. Uh, similarly, a Spurs, although they've started to turn things around. But then Everton and West Ham, I just see as a as a combination of of, of different players. There's mm. no there's there's no team. There's no spirit. Southampton, conversely, may be coming through this because they've had that whole bonding experience of being that close to the edge and being through it, and they've stuck with Hassan Hootel as well. They've stuck with him, which actually seems to be paying off in terms of a gamble. Uh, Villa, you look at there, uh, they brought in a lot of new players. I did worry for them. I did tip them to struggle because I saw them having a, something of a Fulham effect. They didn't go full Fulham in terms of replacing the entire starting eleven, but they did bring a lot of players. They haven't seemed to gel. Um, so I don't know how... I, I kind of get what you're saying and the, the players at that end of the table aren't playing as a team, but I don't know whether that's a cause or an effect, if you know what I mean. It's like... Teams that don't play well on at any level, whether it's five-a-side, whether it's Sunday League, whether it's Premier League, they don't look like they're playing as a team. Mm. And I think, I think there's more to it than just kind of an idea of, 
unity. But at the same time, I appreciate that that is that is part of a team's success. Let's rattle through the Boxing Day fixtures and try and pick winners for them before we talk about fancy football with the guru. Let's start with the 12.30 Boxing Day kickoff: Tottenham versus Brighton and Hove Albion. Can we see anything other? I know you've been praising, you've been bigging up Graham Potter, but surely Mourinho's Tottenham is going to win that one. Um, yeah, although we had the mods on to beat Chelsea the other day. I mean, aside of what happened off the pitch there as well, uh, Chelsea took them apart. So a bit of a tactical masterclass from uh, from Lamps. So I'd, I'd still give an outside, uh, outside bet on Potter. I, th- I think Tottenham will walk that one. I think Harry Kane will start scoring again. And I mean, this might be an obvious thing to say. Brighton aren't Chelsea. <laughs> but, <laughs> there you go. That's the kind of insight you get on Football Social Daily. Uh, Aston Villa versus Norwich City. This is a big one at the bottom oh, of the table. For me, it's Aston Villa. I was I was looking at this in terms of like, because there's, you know, th- the first game, 12.30, obvious. Um, if you're watching an Amazon Prime, which you've got the, the rights for all the games on um, Boxing Day, uh, e- easy pick because you've only got one game at half five and then at eight. But this game... Uh, in terms of all the three o'clocks, just going. Oh, do I really fancy? And it's got to be this. Um, I really like watching Norwich. I really like the way they play. I really like their attitude. They ju- just seem a little bit naive. They just seem a little bit naive. We saw again with Wolves. They went one nil up, unable to sort of hold on to that lead and close it out. If I don't think they haven't got the players to do it, they haven't got the they haven't got the strength in defence to hold on to those leads. That's the issue. They need to score more goals. But then with Aston Villa losing a key man in McGinn, um, and he's confirmed to have been out for three months now with that fractured ankle, um, it's such an important player, such an important player to that team. Um, and also come up with a couple of goals for them as well, which in their position is very important. I, this game could go either way. This game could really go either I mean, I, weirdly enough, actually going into this fixture, Norwich have got the slightly better form mm. uh, because they, they've managed to get one point from the last couple of games. So I think Villa are on four straight defeats. Really, are they? I thought doing better than that. But I think I think it's good. there's goals in that game. Whatever you say, there's goals in that game. Uh, right. Bournemouth, I'm thinking of the Liverpool win, the 5-0 against Liverpool. That's why I'm thinking they've got a point recently. Right. Uh, Bournemouth versus Arsenal. Arteta's first game in charge. Bournemouth having a terrible time. I think six defeats in seven. Uh, Eddie Howe um, just does not seem impressed. He's such a cheerful chap normally, but uh, he seemed really down about it. Um, But Arsenal have lost their way. I mean, Arteta is unproven. He's really unproven. And what's interesting about this fixture is you've got the league's longest serving manager because Howe's on close on seven years. And this is Arteta's first, not just first game in the Premier League, but first game as a manager. Um, he talks good talk. Obviously, he he's played under um, a lot of good managers, and then he's worked with Pep at City. Whether that translates or not, we don't know. It's a gamble. It's an exciting gamble. Um, I I think you kind of have to give it to Arsenal. I think on the current form, Arsenal would get beaten by Bournemouth. The question is how quicker impact Mikel Arteta can have. At Arsenal, we talked about the new manager bounce and the certain type of manager that gets that new manager bounce. We just don't know. We have no idea whether Mikel Arteta is that kind of man who's going to go in there and he's going to throw things around the dressing room and get an instant response. What we do know is that master and apprentice style, Pep Guardiola was a manager who took a while to have an impact. When he came to Manchester City, yeah. he took a while for his philosophies to take hold. If you assume that Mikel Arteta is a similar 
manager, then it might be a while before we see that impact. And the way I think Arsenal will set up, which will be a fast technical midfield, I think Mesut Ozil could fit really well into whatever Arteta does at Arsenal. I think that kind of thing takes a while to impact at a club. Just a word to the wise, the last manager that came from being an assistant to a successful Manchester club was Steve McLaren. So uh, that may sort of send a chill down the spine of any Gunners fans. All right, let's rattle through these last through. Chelsea versus Southampton. Chelsea win? Uh, yeah, but I think Southampton will give it a good go. Crystal Palace versus New- uh, West Ham United, which could be arguably the worst game of all the fixtures. Although uh, you've got a goalkeeper potentially for West Ham who can't catch the ball, but then you've got a team in Crystal Palace who can't sh- get shots on target, so it could just be a dull nil-nil draw. That Christmas one. miracle, Benteke hat-trick. <laughs> that would be a miracle. <laughs> uh, Everton versus Burnley, Carlo Ancelotti's first game in charge. We've already kind of called it and said we think Everton win. Burnley aren't a pushover. Burnley are a tough side and Burnley won't give, give him time to... <laughs> Sheffield United versus Watford. Ah, oh, Sheffield United. Sheffield United. Well, yeah. Even though Watford are going to escape. Oh, the, no, that's the kind of game Watford yeah. need to win if they're going to go with no, your early it, prediction it, of escaping why, why, relegation. Why is that the kind of game they need to win? That This is the top five team. Because you'd still say Sheffield United are beatable, even though a lot of people are failing to beat them team. this season. No. Manchester United versus Newcastle New- United. Oh, God. I mean, I think this is going to be a really good game. Um... And I think there's a real chance that, that Newcastle could nick a point. Confidence is high. That it surprised a lot of people. And United are a mess. Do the double yeah. over Manchester United this season. And finally, the game that will, if any game, is going to have an impact on the top of the table, it's this one. I think it's done and dusted. But Leicester City versus Liverpool. Liverpool have only lost once this calendar year in the Premier League. Um, they started it with a loss at the Etihad on the 3rd of January. Um Obviously, they've got they've got two games before the end of the year. They're the club world champions. Um, their confidence is high, but Leicester with Vardy and at home. If Leicester were going to win it, this is the game. Yeah, because they yeah. Liverpool, they have to. There's no choice. And, and Liverpool didn't overexert themselves in Qatar, but at the same time, they will be travelling. They have played games out there in extreme heat and extra time. So, yeah, I think if. If there was a time for Leicester City to beat Liverpool, it's this weekend, or this Boxing Day rather. So that is the wrap-up of the Boxing Day fixtures. If you're still wondering what you should be doing with your fantasy football squads ahead of the Boxing Day games, then it's time to catch up with the guru, Kieran Howley. Namaste, Kieran. Namaste (laughs) Namaste. guru, sorry. Namaste guru, I should say. It's all right, I'll forgive you this once. You're um, suffering with Oracle flu today, so you're on the phone rather than in the sports social studio. But we've got some questions for you about fantasy football this weekend. Are you ready for these? I am, hit me. Okay, so we've got a question off Twitter first from Cashugary70, from Cashugary37, who said, now he sent us an entire team picture of his lineup, which we can't go and give individual advice to everyone but he says he wants to know who he should change this weekend so we're going to concentrate on his front men okay so he's got Vardy Jimenez and Pukki he's got a bit of a budget front three who would you change out of those three you're going into the weekend uh, Vardy Jimenez Pukki um, mm, uh, it depends really about what what the players you have around it and price points um, so Pukki seems to have a bit of a, a, a research um, Jimenez has a difficult fixture, but is one of the two form strikers. 
uh, in the league at the moment. So I definitely leave Vardy and Jimenez. Puki, uh, you're going to struggle around <clears throat> the same price, but I'd say Ings is probably the informed striker at that price point. Um, but either way, I think at the moment people are really enjoying their time in midfield. So I'd probably be tempted to move to a front two if you can't release more money to get a third striker um, and and go for uh, maybe Salah, who's coming back to form. Uh, Grealish is looking really exciting. Mm. So Grealish is probably about the same price as Pickley. So if you could transfer into midfield, I think that would work out nicely. And Grealish is actually the top uh, midfielder for um, shots on target and shots in the box and has a good run of fixtures coming up too. So I think that would be my choice. Good advice. Right, Helen wants to know, said the guru had a little trick about using wild cards, bench subs and triple captains over Christmas and I can't remember what it was. Can you remind Helen, please? <laughs> uh, yeah, this wasn't over Christmas. This was about when you have uh, fixed the congestion and particularly when you're going into double game week. That's uh, okay. sort of the best time to use your chips because um, obviously you're, you're getting double value for all your players out there. Um, and it's when it's a time when a lot of teams are either playing twice or not at all. So you have to quickly ch- make drastic changes uh, week on week. Uh, Christmas is a little bit different. It's a congested period, but they're all hit as single game weeks. So all you're really going to see is a lot of rotation. So it's not really about using chips for that period. It's about making sure you have a full squad. So I'd say if you haven't used your wildcard yet, this is a great time to use it. But um, I'll, I'll be making sure... My, my one tip over this period would be just to make sure you have a full bench uh, and that your bench is going to play. It doesn't matter even if they're going to go on and hit your two points. The two points are going to be important and going to be racking up over these four games over two games. Hold on to that triple captain for a few more weeks yet then till the fixture congestion plays in. Right, Leo's got a question who says, I've got Kevin De Bruyne, Jamie Vardy and Anthony Martial in my team. Who am I captaining for the Boxing Day fixtures? Um, well, I wouldn't captain Martial. No. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be my jump out. Uh, just because he's, he's poor form, his underlying stats aren't quite there. Um, he's the leading striker for Man United, so I, I, you know, I, I do think he's going to come good eventually. But he's, he's, his team and himself are on form at the moment, so I won't go with him. Uh, Vardy has, hasn't had a blank for 10 game weeks now, so he's assisted or scored every single week wow. uh, for 10. He does have a tricky fixture against Liverpool, um, but he, he managed to get points against City as well. Um, so I think he's probably a go-to. Uh, De Bruyne has Wolves away, um, and I was at the Wolves home match this season, and we really struggled to break them down. Uh, De Bruyne is in incredible form at the moment, but I'd be tempted, um, just because he is the form player of the league at the moment, to captain Vardy and have a, a vice-captain on De Bruyne. Uh, I've got both of those players, and I'll be, I'll be doing that option. I've actually got Sterling, so what I'll be doing is captaining Sterling and vice-captaining um, Vardy. Um, but they, they are two great options to have. De Bruyne doesn't get the points he deserves either. He can. It's the, one of those unique things about fantasy football. One of the quirks is a player can be the best player on the pitch each week and not quite get the points unless he gets the goals and the assists. Yeah, but then De Bruyne does get goals and assists, so it's fine anyway. Um, it's uh, yeah, like he doesn't. You know, he can run a game and not pick up three bonus points, but he's always involved in it. Mm. Uh, he does have a little bit of a problem where sometimes he's the assister of the assister. Uh, so, so he plays the cutting ball um, that would that normally goes out to a wing, so it gets cut across goal, and then um, Aguero puts it in half Sterling on the other side. Um, but that that doesn't seem to be the way City plays as much this season. Mm. Uh, it, it's not so much about cutting it through to Sané and Sterling and then whipping it back in. It's 
De Bruyne has taken up, particularly against Leicester, that advanced midfield position. Um, and with Silva out as well, uh, he really does fill in that sort of number 10 uh, gap behind Aguero. And I think, um, looking at the way he played Leicester and we convincingly beat him so well, that actually he's going he's gonna to keep up that advanced position because it puts so much pressure on the... Um, when he's taking advanced position right, so much pressure on the left-back. Chill has been one of the outstanding left-backs of the season so mm. far. And he was made a mockery up because he just couldn't deal with Mahrez and De Bruyne, both of them. Uh, so I think Pep's going to continue to play in the position. And I can continue to see De Bruyne picking up assists and goals every game. Uh, and De Bru- uh, Pep's expressly said he's trying to get De Bruyne more goals this season. Uh, and he's going to continue to be in those dangerous positions. Pep's got him in his fancy think, football team as well. I think he's a keeper player. I think that's what Pep's job is, is to have a fantasy football team. Uh, Guru, if I could ask a question, please. So it's a, a question about injuries and suspensions, because in, in my team, I've only got one transfer left. And I've got both McGinn, who's out for three months with a fracture, and Son, mm. who's out for potentially three games with this red card, although they are appealing it. So, do, is it is it worth holding on to one of them till they till they get back? That suspension clears up, or would you say get him out, get somebody else in while you can? Uh, depends. Depends what you have remaining in terms of free transfers. If you've got two. Um, they're, they're good points to use, and partly because uh, I just have the one. So, who would you choose in that instance? Because uh, um, I mean, I, I'm worried because the bargain in me says I, I got McGinn at the beginning when he was like four million. I mean, you're putting the guru on the spot because he is divinely inspired, but at the same time, we usually give him a bit of time to research questions <laughs> before we just <laughs> before we just throw him at him. No, it is fine. Uh, I mean, for example, I've got Son in my team. Um, and I've taken him out. I took him out as soon as he got the red card because um, he, he immediately dropped 0.1 of value. He's due to drop another one tonight. So he's already gone 0.2 down in one game week and he's suspended for three. Wow. So I think, I think he's going to drop considerably. Um, I, I only brought him, I brought him in when he was 10.1. I only brought him in last week. He immediately um, got a suspension and I captained him. So I got immediate minus two points and brought him straight back out. So I haven't, so he started in 9.5. There's a there's a different question. If you bought him at 9.5, you've already got 0.6 value in him, and you're gonna you're gonna lose money by taking him out potentially only for a couple of game weeks. But I brought him in at 10.1, so I can drop him for three and maybe buy him back at like 9.8, so I can make money on dropping Son for the three weeks that he's out. Although they are now challenging suspension, but I imagine it's going to be upheld. Yeah, um, yeah. McGinn is he's, he's out for three months. You just need to do something with that money because he's too expensive just to leave on the bench. Um, that they do hold value. If, if a player is injured, uh, they don't drop in value. They freeze his price point. So you're not going to have to worry about losing money on McGinn, but you will on Son. Um, uh, so I, I would be tempted, and because Son is just a very expensive player to have on your bench for three game weeks, 10.1, you can have De Bruyne in there. Um, so you want to release his funds and play with him. And then what I'm planning to do is just buy him back straight away and then buy him back for a cheaper price point once he comes back in. Um, but the most, most important thing is, as we said before, is that um, you want as many players to potentially play as possible because there's going to be so much rotation. Even if you're taking a minus four hit for a player, um, you're going to probably be getting at least two back just because you're probably going to need everyone on the pitch um, just for even you know prime players who are going to rotate out. So I've taken a minus four this, this week to make sure I have a full bench um, because I imagine over the next few game weeks I'm going to be using for injuries and transfers and other stuff anyway. So I would say um, if you have one, it's probably worth rotating both those players out, particularly if you think, look at your bench and think it's a bit weak because you're definitely going to start using some of them.
Guru, thank you very much for your top fantasy football advice, as always, and have a great Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. Christmas. Right, that is it for Football Social Daily. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, and for joining in today. Thank you. Uh, don't forget, tomorrow there is a very special show. It is looking back at the year, the 2019 Football Social Daily Awards. Make sure you've hit subscribe so you get that podcast as soon as it's ready, and we'll see you next time. Happy Christmas. Football Social Daily, Premier League updates. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, forward limited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.